Live from Therian, this is Derailed Trains of Thought. Well, hello, Nick. Hi, Tim. Um, so, we're in Therian. We're in Therian. Uh, this is a pretty great, well, it was a great place uh, yeah. at one time. There's a lot of smoldering rubble. and Yeah, a lot, lots of debris, lots, lots of, of uh, death. Yeah, it's not a cheery place. No, and there's not a really good way to get out of here. I mean, you got to walk for miles to get... I know, this place is huge. It's kind of I've, ginormous. Being kind of a country boy like our, you know, like both of us are. I mean, we're, yeah. We're very out of our element. I mean, the here. rainforest made more sense. <laughs> Strangely enough. Uh, yeah, and people who are just kind of down, like, I don't know, they're not quite used to this yet. Yeah, well, I, I, saw, I saw one like one arm girl that was oh. like huddled over in a corner under some like mm. she looked like she was sopping wet it was, probably should have helped her or something well i guess but she also like glared pretty fierce, oh. fiercely at me okay. so i didn't i didn't want to get too close no. okay well we'll find some nice corner um there's no no power in the city but we have a podcast going yeah i'm not sure how that's the podcast has some magical powers. One day we'll have to go to where the podcast exists. Even though uh, some guy just really glared at me for saying magic out loud. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. So, okay. Well, Therian. There yeah. we are. And, and in case you people don't know what we're talking about, we would also like to take this time to encourage you to go check out childrenofthewells.com. Dun dun. Not so subtle plug here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with all that said, I think it's time to dive into story school. <laughs> Natasha's like, what is going on? They're just talking to each other. Why, why do we bring Natasha to theory in anyway? Uh, we didn't do the podcast. I'm telling you, episode 100, we have to go to the thing that is a podcast. It's like Q from Star Trek. <laughs> That would make sense. Um, well, in the meantime, maybe the podcast knew that Natasha might be helpful in this. We'll drag her in here if we need yeah. to. We're talking about post-apocalyptic stories today. Dun, dun, because while not very common in modern life, we thought we'd talk about something very obscure today. <laughs> yes, not this is not a common feature in uh, today's culture at all. Movies, books, TVs, yeah. comics. Okay, it's all over the place. But um, <laughs> News feed. But the question is... <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Anyways, but the question is, why is post-apocalyptic modern? And we touched on this um, a little bit in the last episode, just the how Tomorrowland actually brought this up. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, d- I didn't even make that connection. Yeah. Oh, well, that's kind of what inspired us to talk about it, I think. How uh, in that movie they talk about it's, it's sort of a, a interesting feature and in that they it's in the background a lot of places that all the teachers at the girls school like, are talking about how we're all going to die and all the movies are all about you know Death. horrible things and <laughs> we don't quite have the Society nuclear war anymore apart. in the movies but we certainly have you know overpopulation and meteors hitting and floods and st- Everything freezing from global warming and, and technological concerns about and robots taking, taking over, over yeah. yeah, or you know, there's no privacy and there's a lot of things going on in our day to day lives that kind of make us think, well, what if? And there's there's different uh, sides to it. There's part of the uh, what if these bad trends go on and continue, yeah. And, yeah. 
And then there's also the the side of some people that secretly sort of want an apocalypse to happen, just kind of wipe the slate clean, start over, maybe go back to our roots of nature and, you know, fend for ourselves out in the wild. Water world. Yeah. There's kind of that appeal to it, too. Or And then sometimes there's just the the zombies. Yeah, or just the zombies, which have their own uh, sort of appeal. Maybe we should start with zombies. Okay, I guess we can start with I mean, if you don't mind. Go for it. What do you want to say about zombies? (laughs) They're dead. No. Okay, I'm not very fond of zombie stuff in general. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't have a lot of, like, personal experience with, like, ooh, when I was living dead, or ooh. But the thing that's what I found fascinating about zombies, as as a, and me as a backdrop, as a, you know, apocalypse, the fascinating thing about them is that basically is that they don't die. That they really tap into that sense of unstoppable. Yeah. That there's there is really no good way to get around them. Mm-hmm. They when it's played well, this sort of like hopelessness. There's just like it's it's kind of the survival mentality. Like how long can I survive before the inevitable happens? Yeah. Yeah. No. And I I got this. <laughs> you're gonna laugh. I got this surprisingly well. Phineas and Ferb actually yeah. did a special called <laughs> Night of the Living Pharmacist. <laughs> <laughs> where Doofenshmirtz makes a thing which gets out, goes out of control and basically starts turning the people of the town into other pharmacists. Oh. <laughs> and it, they it's do the lab coat. It just, yeah, the lab coat. And yeah. people think he's not actually a pharmacist. He's a mad scientist. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's a running joke. But anyway, because, you know, obviously kids show, it takes away the gross out factor, yeah. the gore. And in that weird sense, because, you know, like I said, this was an hour long special and they actually did a pretty good job of building up the suspense of it. And it made me kind of get it a little bit better for maybe the first time. Because, yeah, there is that whole factor of this is all around you. You're like in the middle of a city and you can't really do much. You know, depending on the story, guns don't do much. Yeah, much it's just good. kind of a, it's just an evil force that just kind of pushes its way. And there's not normal much way of stopping it. The, the only zombie thing I know very well is World War Z, the movie, not the mm-hmm. book, right. which I hear are vastly different, which I really actually enjoyed that. It does get that sense of just, it's a very existential idea in the sense of it's all about living. Hmm. It's all about what can I do to survive and, and the fact that I'm alive and these things are dead and the dead is what rules. And it can bring out the sense of uh, teamwork too, of of there's a lot of zombies. St- well, I think there's that's a common thread of zombie stories that you have this band of survivors that has to pull together. Or that's kind of what the there's the one video game series Left for Dead, which I've played with some friends occasionally, yeah. is kind of all about and that you're you really have to work together as a team to yeah. make it through the end of a scenario. Uh, and that's the theme of Zombieland. <laughs> have you ever seen Zombieland? I haven't seen that. <laughs> Zombieland's hilarious. I will never look at Bill Murray the same after Zombieland. But <laughs> Um, okay. It's, it's a comedy, but uh-huh. zombies. But, you know, it's all about like, oh, and we're sticking together, as opposed to just like, just don't attach yourself to anything because they're going to die. Uh-huh. Um, but it's a comedy, and it's it's fun. I know as kind of some podcast prep, I kind of sent out on the Twitter, you know, hey, what's your favorite post-apocalyptic sort of stuff? And Brianna Lehman, is that my brother's fiance, mentioned Walking your, Dead. Your, your sister-in-law to be. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, Walking Dead. Walking Dead, which Zach watches now because she watches and she loves it. And I asked, what? well, she said, Walking Dead. And I'm like, well, why do you like that? And she said, because sometimes uh, the living are scarier than the dead. And I think that's, I'm paraphrasing the, her response. Mm-hmm. But I think that, that, again, you get that deep contrast between these mindless things and, you know, some of the evil and bad things humans do to stay alive. Sure. So anyways, I... Well, I'm not much for the gross out factor. I think there are some very fascinating concepts that can be played in zombie, the zombie genre. 
Uh-huh. And I haven't read enough to tell you whether you do or not, but... <laughs> More beyond that, but yeah, I mean, those sort of things on the surface you can certainly see. I do wonder, too, this might be reading into it a lot, and someone could tell me if maybe there are some stories that do uh, play into this, but I've often wondered, going back to the whole post-apocalyptic thing, often sort of reflecting modern times thing, if there's something to uh, decay of society or decay of morality or whatever being kind of reflected in decaying flesh. Oh. And the, like that sort of becomes a visual representation of, of, of another be. kind of decay. So could be. I'd, be, I'd be really curious. I don't know if I could pinpoint one. Well, that, it doesn't seem like, it seems like modern society likes the zombie movie way more. I'm not sure. Are there examples of that sort of widespread thing in older cultures in their horror? I mean, you got the vampire, but that's not the same thing. I don't think so, because I think... It's almost like this this kind of dread of death we have nowadays. Yeah. Well, and I wonder, too, not as many of the older stories talked as much about, like, a global phenomenon or a global... That's true. We become much more aware of the world as a globe as opposed to our little corner of it. So that's one reason why I think it became more prevalent. Should we look at other types of post-apocalyptic or talk why we like these things? Let's, okay, let's talk a little bit more. Let's, let's dive more into the um, the big picture, the philosophical, yeah. which is probably the, where you and I can yeah. grasp onto well, this And this more. is why we, we plugged Children Wells earlier. But yeah. largely, it was a philosophical aspect that most intrigued us, I think. Oh, yeah. It was um, like, because I think the, what you said, it was like, what happens when you take a world and shake up yeah. what, it's, what it's about? And I think I think that's the really neat thing in the best post-apocalyptic ideas is that you get a very stark view of what matters and what doesn't matter hmm. about humanity, about life, about you challenge a lot of your assumptions. Yeah, some yeah, and you get you get kind of the and plus on a very technical level, there's just a lot of drama. Oh yeah, I mean, which is why you know you get all a whole slew of TV shows now. You got you know the revolution was on, Battlestar Galactica is basically post-apocalyptic. Um, Falling Skies. The 100. The 100. So there's a, there's just a ton of drama, and you can focus it, and there's there's always that kind of this intense, like, but will they make it? You know, because everything's life or death. Yeah. At Children of the Wells, we do try to kind of balance both of those. We do a lot of the immediate, like, getting to a skirmish at a local yeah. small town or the government's trying to manage resources. Yeah. Um, but then we also, there is, if you're looking for it, there is some big picture stuff you know what happens when the society that has been run for so long on our system of magic um and this kind of hierarchy when suddenly that hierarchy is removed yeah how does it rebuild yeah how does it rebuild well, because it's interesting actually when you think about it, post-apocalyptic kind of is in two camps there's the one that like happens right at the apocalypse or whatever big disaster reaction uh-huh. yeah you know you got your your uh, day after tomorrow sort of stuff. And that tends to be where the zombie uh, field is. Often, when, yeah. I mean, yeah. Walking Dead, then obviously when you get a TV show, it tends to be a little yeah. more long-term. And then you have sort of the, sometimes it'll be like 10 years after. So the world's been completely changed. And mm-hmm. you're now living without electricity or now living with robots in charge or now living with fill in the blank. But I don't know how often you get the sort of immediate and then how do you adjust? That, that, that ugly transition period from how we used to do things to how we're now doing things. Mm-hmm. And we find that pretty interesting in Children of Wells. I mean, that's kind of one of our things. Yeah. Yeah, we only did the immediate stuff for arguably the first book or two. And you could certainly do it a lot longer if you're going to be super realistic, but that wasn't our goal. Yeah. No, we, want, we wanted to move past the initial 
calamity and kind of try to figure out how does the civilization build itself. Because a lot of post-apocalyptic, you know, you could go to Hunger Games where the apocalypse is sort of the backdrop, the history, and then yeah. you build your dystopia on top yeah. of it. And a lot of dystopian, they're built on top of a apocalypse, apocalypse of some yeah. sort. Yeah. The two genres almost kind of meld in a sense. You like a revolution when you used to watch it, which, you know, sort of we got stronger than turned out insane. <laughs> Well, they would do flashbacks occasionally, but, you know, largely it was like, hey, it's 10 years after, and the United States now is in, like, four kind of tri- ruled by various military mm-hmm. governments and how they interact with each other, and, and you know, and that's kind of interesting. Here's a, you know, it's almost like a, a way of doing an alternate history. Mm-hmm. And so you see, okay, how do you, what does, what does America look like after everything falls apart? Who takes charge? After you know, you have no electricity. Yeah, yeah. You know, everything takes charge and all power. And then, you know, and then what matters, you know, is not... So in that world, it was much more, you know, your firepower. Do you have access to bullets? Right. Sort of stuff. Or sometimes you get the the resistance version, the apocalyptic, the falling skies, the the aliens came, wiped us out, mm-hmm. and we're like the we're like the the remnant left, and we will fight to the death. Yeah. You know, in Terminators, that sort of. Yeah, yeah. I guess in a sense, you could even see um, some of the Sonic the Hedgehog stories, comics, the cartoons are, are kind of like that. Robotnik comes in and, and takes over and sort of a, you know, it's sort of a downfall of, I mean, okay, it's animal civilization, yeah. but yeah. you know, it's, this is the Saturday morning yeah. cartoon kind of version or, of it. Or um, one of the plot lines in Back to the Future 2. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Much more lighthearted. <laughs> but you know, it's that, and I suppose that's some of it too, just, you know, sometimes it's that, how do we rebuild what was great? And sometimes it's just suffering the the wages of our of our mistakes of our mistakes yeah and you got two ways so you know sometimes it's from outside it's like how do we regain our previous glory mm-hmm. and sometimes it's just like oh this is we brought it on ourselves and now we're just now we're just stuck now we're just we're suffering for what we've done and you know how do we redeem it and i guess it's it sort of mirrors the the gamut of how fiction looks at the future anyway. I mean, on the one end, you've got the very optimistic, the Star Trek, where yeah. it says mankind is going to send We don't even stars. have money anymore, and we just build giant <laughs> spaceships and send them out, and no one cares. Utopia. Then kind of in the middle, you've got Babylon 5, where it's like, it's like humanity is will go through a lot of the same problems for quite a while, but eventually they'll get to that. Yeah. You know, we'll evolve to a certain thing. Yeah. And then you've got... Hunger Games area where basically humanity is sort of doomed to repeat the same mistakes over and you over know, again. No, it's interesting. It's one of the re- and just you say that probably the most realistic from a biblical point of view version of humanity is the post post apocalyptic version. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, yeah. because like the Battle on Five version is realistic, except to the is how they portray most of the show. But the whole idea that we're evolving to a better place is much more the secular humanist than the the Christian. Well, I mean, the entire term, the apocalypse, is kind of derived from exactly. the book of Revelation. <laughs> no, uh, but, you know, sometimes people feel like Christians should be happy and whatever. But, I mean, in, in literature, wrestling with the fact that we are all sinful beings works itself out in that sort of, you know, the post-apocalyptic drama. And then you normally you have some person who's like, but despite everything going to crap, I'm going to go and, you know, be a good person or I'm going to save people even though everyone else would just kill for food or, you know, there tends yeah. to be that that goodness inside the darkness. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, it is interesting when you bring the idea of post-apocalyptic to a Christian faith, though, in a sense, because Christians believe there will be an apocalypse well, someday. Yeah. 
but when that happens, it's not going to last. No, the post is completely different. Yeah, the post is completely <laughs> different. It's not necessarily that this thing, this new state is going to last for a really long time. Yeah, that's true. Now, there's 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 little, you know, mini ones, I guess, yeah. in real, real you know, bubonic plague and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's true. And I guess you could say, or follow Roman Empire, yeah. some people might say it would be... World War II. Yeah. <laughs> To a degree. I mean, the world was different after yeah. World War II. Yeah, no I question. mean, it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's localizing the destruction in yeah, largely Europe and Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> lots of places. But, but it is interesting what uh, Christians can do with the genre, and I mean, hopefully, we're doing something interesting with Children of the Wells. Uh, the Book of Eli was a surprisingly Christian film. Yeah, at one that you would not have known going into it. I'm going to ask, Natasha, did you say the deck you read recently was post-apocalyptic? More dystopian. Oh, okay. Well, then you don't know. She said more dystopian. I doubt that. It was a Rochelle uh, Decker, the daughter of Ted Decker. How was that, Natasha? The, oh, she's, she's digging it out here. What's, what's it called? We put her on the spot. (laughs) All right. It's called The Choosing by Rochelle Decker. And it's kind of, um, I mean, it's young adult. I read a lot of young adult uh, dystopian or post-apocalyptic fiction, um, so this fits right in. But I haven't read much of it that's Christian, and this is definitely Christian. And uh, it was good. She writes a lot like her father. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he's done like the the vampire novels he does are kind of like a like the whole world changed right beforehand. Yeah, I mean that's nothing like this. No, but I mean that idea that you know you, Christians using the idea of you know a disaster and then playing with themes. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it was just very interesting. The world that she builds, the dystopia, is based around faith, but it's obviously a broken religion. So, Called that, the I mean, that's a different take on it than I'd seen before. The closest in secular fiction might be the Divergent series, which I believe the author of that series is Christian, but she's in the secular market. So, um, I guess that would be another similar story from a Christian background. But this is more um, obviously Christian. Yeah, nice. And if you if you want to s- stretch it a little bit, I was thinking on the way over here, the Circle series by Ted Decker is sort of post-apocalyptic. I mean, well, there's sort of a fall in, in that world and, you know, where they basically kind of go into tribes and all that sort of stuff. But it, isn't it sort of implied that it, it takes place in the in Earth's far, 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 far future. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, it's it's hard to. It's been so long since I read it, but yeah, it does seem like that it's either in the future or an alternate. Uh, yeah, he, he plays a lot with the idea of like the the circle, like this is kind of happening, or like humanity falls and then he redeems it and it falls again. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an interesting thing that he plays with in that. And it's I mean, it's a big what if. But it's an interesting what if. It's interesting. Um, okay, I'm gonna bring in something weird. Uh, Final Fantasy VI is okay. one of the, one, which is one of the few uh, stories I know of that leads. You know, half of it leads up to an apocalypse and uh-huh. then plays it out. Yeah, which you don't normally start right after. You don't normally like do that sort of battle in five. Like, hey, we're gonna do a five seasons, and halfway through, everything's gonna completely. You know, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna break the world in half. Yeah, the entire uh, world. The not, entire yeah. Not just like. Things fall apart. I mean, a lot of, a lot of TV shows have big, big changes, things happen, yeah. but this is like like the entire world like suffers massive cataclysm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm sure there are examples of that on TV. May well, 
Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. But normally, either you're yeah, half, halfway through is seems like a very unusual time to do it, which is pretty bold, actually. I mean, and that's that's a neat way to play it because then you can be like, because I was thinking, you we before we started the podcast, we talked about a lot of superhero stories, fantasy stories are kind of pre-apocalyptic, like. If, they're, they're good guys, if, don't so, if they right. don't win, something bad is going to happen. Yeah. You, don't, you don't often have a long-form story where if we don't do this, something bad is going to happen, and then they don't do it, mm-hmm. and the whole thing falls apart. I mean, you might see in the movie where like something happens, and then like they all get old, and then like, you need to come back and help us, and yeah. that sort of thing. <laughs> but not like a, I don't know offhand any long-formed story outside my memory of Final Fantasy VI that does it. I'm sure there are some video games nowadays that do it. Yeah, possibly. I mean, yeah, I mean, that that's an unusual case. It, outside of video games, I don't know too many other movies, books in general. I, I guess Advent Children is kind of uh, that's, posed. <laughs> kind of. I don't, I want it so weird. Yeah, that's, I, I don't. It's, ha- it's like a half apocalypse. They like half saved the world. <laughs> yeah, that one's, the setting of that one is, is very strange. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> off topic. So, I'm trying to think if there's any other ground that we need to cover here. I don't know. I just, I guess, you know, the interest for me, I don't know, Natasha and I once thought about doing a, a story called Omega Troop, is what we can call it. And Troop was like a, like a comedy troupe, like T-R-O-U-P-E. Okay. It was going to be like the last circus of the world going around in this like post-apocalyptic world. And, oh, interesting. I don't know. We thought like that, 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 con- that um, contrast between like a dying world and like this traveling show that's trying to make people feel good uh-huh we thought that'd be interesting that would be interesting and i know that I, that i think the veer would fit in pretty well, well and we've transferred some of the ideas to show in the well since then okay <laughs> um and i think the the idea the zombie idea of like the unstoppable like force that like you just can't beat it it's just kind of overwhelming which appears in other things yeah, sometimes but i've always wanted to do a story like that i know that sounds really weird i want to do a fitzwilliam fitzwilliam fitzwallace story about that, about just that idea of, I, I don't know, fate or... Uh, Have you ever read, uh, I'm going to forget the name, Leninger versus the Ants? or I, I don't think that's the right name, but it's it's basically a short story. I'm going to have to look it up here real quick. About uh, a rancher in uh, South America that basically leads his whole plantation whatever it's called against this like swarm of fire ants that are basically devouring the whole countryside it's just it's oh it's by carl stevenson i read it in high school it's just it's a it's a really cool story of that sort of thing not post-apocalyptic really but it it is the like unstoppable force of nature and one man basically trying to make a stand against it i guess with this whole topic obviously we've talked a lot of philosophy and stuff about it but i think you see it'll come up a lot Nowadays, you know, there's a lot of different shows and TV and movies and books and stuff about it. And I think partly it reflects, you know, the sense of, I don't know if we mentioned this, the sense of uncertainty mm, mm-hmm. people have, you know, the foundations aren't stable. Yeah. People don't, they feel like, they don't really want that to happen. They feel like it identifies with some of their... There's sort of like an instinct there that, you know, most things have a beginning and middle and an end. Yeah. So it seems like our world will eventually have an end. And and that and, and the, we just, we, we don't trust that things will, you know, back in the 60s, it was all nuclear war. Mm. You know, uh-huh. that was the, the end and what happened afterwards. You know, all these post-nuclear fallout sort of stories. And you still get some of those now. Yeah. But now we have so many different, different ways we think we can die. <laughs> um, That's true. And I think in some ways by making art about it, society's dealing with its fear of it. I'm being overly like sociological now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it makes sense though, because like, 
yeah, there's that fear that what would I do in this sort of situation? And so you try to live some of that out through these other characters. Natasha has uh, something to say. (laughs) Coming over on purpose. I think in addition to the fear, there's almost also this secret desire for it because our world is is kind of boring. I mean, to pe- people think that it's boring. I mean, the frontiers have been visited and conquered and you know there's no place to explore anymore. But you take away society and break it all down into these tiny little groups again and you know let 10 years pass like in revolution and all of a sudden everybody's an explorer, everybody's a fighter, everybody's dangerous and everybody has purpose. Um it just makes it kind of exciting. <laughs> it ups all the stakes in a way. <laughs> and, and it cuts through all the all the fluff, I guess, in many ways. You know, people, they're so, life's so complicated and they're like, what's, I like your idea of purpose, you know. When the world's beat up, you focus on things that matter. Yeah. Do you have examples from, because I, I know YA Young Adult has been big on this for a while. You mentioned Divergent. Is the Maze Runner considered post-apocalyptic or is that more dystopian? That's post-apocalyptic. Okay. Um, I would say it leans more that way than dystopian. I mean, the people have gathered together to survive, but I wouldn't say that any particular society has been formed. Um, they're trying, but that there's just disease all over the world that's kind of taking over. So um, if there is a society, it's quickly falling apart. Okay. So, yeah. Other examples. Um, I haven't read a lot of stuff recently, but I watched the show um, The 100, which up until recently, at least, I really liked. And then latest episodes um, kind of just got a little morally off for me and just a little bit little bit violent. The show is violent. <laughs> yeah. But a little bit e- even more than... than I, I can tell from some of the... Just some of the ads I've seen. It's, yeah. It's a pretty gritty... It is very gritty. Yeah. But I liked the concept um, of all these um, young people, 100 young people, thrown down to Earth after it's been destroyed by radiation to try to find... Uh, try to build a society. And um, if they were able to do it, then the adults would come down. <laughs> <laughs> So the kids are sent first. It was just it was just a very interesting concept to me to see the dynamics of these kids trying to rule themselves. And then when the adults come and put their feet down and say, you know, we're the adults here, the kids are like, but you made us adults by sending us down here. And then there's that conflict. Mm. Um, these kids have been forced to grow up fast. And I just find that really interesting. And that reminds me of, there was this audio pod, uh, like original podcast series called Generation One off from darkerprojects.com, which was about like, there was some sort of fallout or whatever. And they put these, all the best of the teenagers in like to sleep and they woke up way, way later than they're supposed to. There was only two episodes and I thought well, it was such a cool idea. But like there were mutants running around outside and these kids were going to try to figure out how to rebuild the world. And, mm-hmm. and then it only went two episodes. It was sad. Bummer. But that, that's what that reminded me of. Well, we better wrap this up. But uh, thank you for your input, Natasha. Yeah, that was good. You are welcome. <laughs> um, so take that from that what you will. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of good potential for post-apocalyptic. So ne- next, time you, story you next time you right. watch one, which you're going to watch one at some point, you know, <laughs> think, ah, I can think about it even deeper because Tim, Nick, and Natasha. <laughs> yes. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. From there, we'll go on into our first soundtrack.
have yours first because my soundtrack is, I think, about the same length as yours, and uh, I think mine is a bit more upbeat. So oh, okay, yeah. So mine, well, mine's not particularly downbeat, not this one, but, we'll but go with it, it sounded yeah. like it was closer okay. to the actual topic. Yeah. So, <laughs> because we're doing post-apocalyptic, which is kind of dark and whatever thing, Maze Dude comes up first in my mind because he remixes that sort of stuff. Imagine that. I wonder if he. Uh, well, no, he got he got his name before the book, but uh, maybe that's his nickname from the Maze Runner. <laughs> yeah, I guess he loved he's mazes back dude. when he was a kid. Yeah, oh, so okay. he's the there Maze Dude. That was a belabored joke. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very twisty. Um, <laughs> anyways, this was from Zombies Ate My Neighbors, which is I think a Nintendo game. I've never actually played it, and uh, I believe the remix is called Heartbeats. And the interesting thing about this, okay, I picked it because it's Zombies Ain't My Neighbors. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the other interesting thing is that Maze Dude I've mentioned before makes all his songs out of samples. And every sound in this song apparently is made off the sample of a human heartbeat. And that's because he does weird stuff like that. Wow. So um, <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's just kind of that weird kookiness that is Maze Dude. And I hope you enjoy
Hopefully you made it alive through that remix from Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Exactly. And you're ready to go on to another exciting edition where we try to explore... (laughs) What if... Okay, so this is uh, as impromptu as we've done. And most of our what-ifs are pretty impromptu, actually. Yeah, yeah, but we... When the song was playing, we decided what we were doing. How yeah, that? Basically, <laughs> basically all, all cards are off the table or on the table, depending on how you want to use the analogy. On the ceiling, yeah. in our pockets, something. <laughs> but uh, so today's what-if, where we just kind of do, as the name suggests, is just kind of k- come up with a situation and explore... What if this? What if that? So we're talking post-apocalyptic. It's very popular now. So look, Tim and I want to do a new pitch, a new show, write a new book, and we need to find a new way to destroy the Earth and how we would rebuild the yes. So from it. today's what if is different post-apocalyptic scenarios. Yeah. For example, what if there were no video rental stores? Or uh-huh. uh, <clears throat> the, uh, uh, sorry, Blockbuster. No <laughs> <offense>. <laughs> okay, well let's, let's try something else. Okay, right. so uh, actual ways we could we could we could die. Horribly maim ourselves. Uh, I'm gonna let's start off with say um, a sharknado on the no. <laughs> on the ridiculous scale like that. Let's say uh, ice cream hail, where okay. the the world gets pelted by ice like an hour length of ice cream hail. Okay, so, so breaking all kinds of windows and okay, but is that apocalypse or just you know a very sweet disaster? <laughs> <laughs> Because, I mean, it's one thing to have something happen. It's another thing to have, like, the, all of the fabric of society changed. Okay. I'm not sure ice cream would change the fabric of society. Okay. For that. So how about, you know, they always talk about how one day cockroaches would rule the world. You know, what if, like, there was a strain of cockroaches like, a, 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 bug, a bug that just, like, comes and, like, you know, it's almost like a plague, but they just start taking over things. Okay. You know they start they they you know they multiply at massive speeds. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very hard to kill. Mm-hmm. Maybe they can take control. You learn later on, like halfway through season one, that they can take control of certain people people by infesting their bodies. Okay, that's a that's a genuinely scary uh, <laughs> scenario you've got there. So I mean, it's kind of a twist on the whole alien or the whole you know nanobites zombie. zombie thing. But yeah, insects. Because yeah, that's that's your unstoppable force. Of yeah, that's right yeah there. exactly. Um, okay, well let's see. How would you survive? Obviously, uh, bug protective. I mean, obviously that would, would help would for really a while, important. and then you know the scientists would come up with some sort of you know absurd bug spray that you could put paste on yourself and be like some sort of body paint mm-hmm. um, and it would work for a while but there'd be like like the general version of the bugs which like these these massive like you know hor- like um, St. Bernard sized cockroaches it wouldn't affect as much and okay yeah and then I guess it, a lot of this would really depend on what yeah what kind of bug you're talking about like maybe protective clothing is actually a really hard thing to do at first because if you have like something that's eating through clothing at a, at a fast true. rate you know that uh, mosquito net is not going to cut it. And we can even throw in some Bible verses, you know, to make it all, you know, religiously whatever. Because you can talk about, you can pull Joel in with the Day of the Locusts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. just eating all the food. The swarms and, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, not, lots of nice biblical allusions in there. And so uh, maybe, maybe you know, there's a couple havens where they use some sort of r- rotating... Uh, Radio frequency that you know disturb like pushes away the yeah they can't adapt to they can't adapt some, to yeah they keep because that's that has to be a key element you of, can have a couple havens because otherwise a flamethrower would be able to kill them off yeah. so you have to have some sort of like I don't know some sort of like uber they build up some sort of uber resistance to 
stuff. Well, you know, like those termite mounds. So like ha- like some of the big cities, like, you know, the skyscraper would be turning these giant like Ooh. insect mounds. Uh-huh. Yeah, I could see that. And uh, you have to have some sort of clever name for like the SWAT teams that would go out <laughs> to, to, to clear out an area. That's nice. <laughs> That's good stuff. So okay, and I think that's so, uh, I think that's a pretty good. So one. so okay, so you got two three years in, maybe you have a couple of these pockets, but and there's a lot of roaming bugs. But the problem is growing things very difficult. Yeah, the, the growing stuff would be very difficult. I mean, vegetation obviously, but even um even like livestock would be. Yeah, you'd have to have some pretty well protected areas. And then how would you fight them back? I mean, do you have to find some sort? Of, you know, you create some sort of giant bat that would eat all the mosquitoes, sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no. no, no, no. That's where you go. That's where you jump the shark. Well, I guess the question is: I mean, if you want to go really far into gloom and doom thing, you like try to nuke the bugs, and oh. so then you've got like nuclear fallout in addition. But is to it the, worth it? Yeah, is it worth it? Is this the only way that we can do it? Yeah, maybe you go underground for you know hundred years, and you come back up, and there are not as many of them, but now they're all like walking on two legs and have cities and stuff <laughs> from the nuclear. From the nuclear fallout. Okay, yeah. They, they, I don't know. I'm, I'm losing it, it now. <laughs> it push, you push the evolution really far. Exactly. In like you always years. have to push them. You always have to push evolution. You know, that's that's kind of a given in this. Or maybe, maybe the hive mind and the like. They found some sort of like advanced supercomputer, and somehow they merged together into an insecto techno organism. Okay. Yeah, there's some precedent for that. I mean, you could, you could, I mean, you'd have to play it just right and, you know, be the right kind of story. And, uh-huh. Yeah. What'd you say? And wink. And wink. <laughs> Seriously, it's working. <laughs> you'd have the whole setup. So at some point, you know, the geeky scientist guy could be when the, when the computer system starts breaking down, he said, well, it's full of bugs. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Okay, let's do a different. Uh, di- let's move on yeah, from that, that one before we get yeah stuck. Let's fly off from that. Yeah, uh, that's gonna, that one's gonna bug me. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's do some some sort of different. So we don't want maybe some human caused deal. Some human caused. The internet failed. The internet failed. Uh, okay. Oh, so so like maybe a few years in the future where everyone relies on it. Hmm. Why well, no? But where you know like even the power grids and stuff would go out maybe. Well, that'd be revolution. No, that would be revolution then. But Natasha's suggesting, in case Mike doesn't pick this up, the internet going out all around the world, which I guess someone told me the other day that there was last year sometime, Google went down for like half an hour and it caused like, according to him, 70% of the internet to shut down. (laughs) Wow. Like, I don't know how true that is, but, you know, there's an interesting... You know, that, that's an interesting, at least urban myth that you can expand upon. Yeah. You know, one uber important search engine goes down and all these other things just kind of crash Crashing, around it. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's a lot of like technical information you wouldn't have. You know, we, we'd be forced to go to dictionaries and encyclopedias. No, I mean, who has those anymore? Read books. I mean, that's, yeah, that'd be <laughs> terrible. You think you would have economies sailing, failing if the internet went down? Well, there there are net. I mean, there's well, I, a lot of network stuff. I know when they talk about if an EMP would hit, mm-hmm. like the power grid would go out. I think, um, yeah, depending on where it, it happened, I think United States could be definitely very well crippled economy wise because a lot of our economy nowadays is from 
information from entertainment industry That's and true. from all that stuff. And, you know, there's, we, yeah, we have, our agricultural centers, but there's a lot that's done in out in like China nowadays. Well, but I know that's one of those things that cyber terrorists are and and cyber security is always worried about is the EMP coming in and wiping out massive amounts of structure. I mean, you know, so hospitals wouldn't have power and all that. I mean, they they have generators, but I mean that there'd be a breakdown in the in the connections everyone has now. Everything's so interconnected, and it would certainly hurt Europe and America. Yeah, substantially. I want, like you mentioned, hospitals. You know, how much harder would it be for some doctors to treat their patients where their whole medical history was online? And exactly. Now there's yeah. no good. There may not be a good paper record of it anymore. It was certainly. I mean, if you could keep it off, like revolution, then it was certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I mean, society would break down more into. I, I mean, I think I think the revolution um, idea of it bringing more into tribe and stuff was a was not a bad one you got you you know you can watch on i don't know what channel you know doomsday preppers uh when people you know prepare for doomsday and they have their bunkers and everything and some of the stuff they're worried about are things like that emp hits some mm-hmm. were like people worried about the the magnetic pole switching and i'm like what <laughs> yeah how do you so remember sure what that's supposed that. to do that's bizarre <laughs> I mean, I, I guess when Y2K was a big concern, that's a lot of these people were concerned about stuff like that. Yeah. And um, and I, we're even more so 15 years later. Yeah, we're even more dependent on it. So, I mean, it's not outside the realm of... Well, and, you know, people make jokes about Y2K and, and stuff like that. But, I mean, I've read from computer programs were like, yeah, Y2K didn't happen because we worked our butts off to make sure that something bad didn't happen. Yeah. They They did do a lot of internal tweaking and making sure bank accounts and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of potential there for um, for stories. In fact, it's actually a little too uh, a little too close to home. Those are where the good ones come from. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, let's find uh, at least a third one that's maybe... No, Natasha, do you have anything to add to that one? I was just going to say, all the trolls would have to take... <laughs> she, she said, if you didn't hear that... Uh, when the internet went down, all the trolls would have to take to the streets. <laughs> it might return civil discourse. I, I don't know. We'll go that far. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe all the trolls will go back under the bridges, though. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Where they belong. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's see if we can think of another one that's not aliens or... Um, or force of nature thing. You want to go with another man-made? Oh, it could be force of nature, I guess. I don't... I'm trying to think. Because it's hard because there's actually a lot of good ones already done out there. Yes. And <laughs> there are... There have, you know, you there start to get a little. Uh, I mean, you've got you've got some stories where like all the the parents are all taken away, all like all the adults, mm-hmm. or suddenly die from a disease. You got like a mini version in Under the Dome, where it's basically. Actually, I remember one that I found some scrap of paper story idea that I had written down somewhere. An interesting concept, I thought interesting, where a birth control drug went horribly wrong and all the women in the world became suddenly infertile. That's already been done. Has it already been done? Children of okay. Men. You ever watch Children of Men? Okay, no. Well, it's not the birth control. They don't even really explain why everyone is infertile. Uh-huh. But basically, everyone stopped having kids. So everyone knows that this is the last generation yeah. of and men. And then they've, in, in Children of Men, it's done by the same director that did uh, Gravity. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a very interesting movie. Okay. But they yeah, find not, they I, find they find the one like they find someone who's pregnant, and so they're trying to keep it from okay. keep her from the government hand. Yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised that someone else. A lot of cool, idea, a lot of cool uh, one shot or at least visually looking one shot scenes. Uh huh. And I guess the uh, the comic book series or graphic novel series. Uh, uh, why? Why the last man where there's only one man left alive yeah. on Earth, um, and so he has to decide 
basically who he want, he's going to mate with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I've not... I flipped through it and it's like this is probably not you know this no. one of those that puts a graphic and graphic novel yeah in it, so not really my sort of thing but I mean it's an interesting concept yeah it is an interesting concept that like yeah the last people what would you do mm-hmm. the last of this you know, if you're last of that if you're Sinji and Asuka what do you do <laughs> um I've never even seen that scene but yeah, it's hard to think of brand new like I have one in my head but it's not really post apocalyptic it's just like I'm just throwing fantasy on top of the world you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you got Waterworld, which is the, the uh, flooding. The flooding. What if you do the reverse of that? Where Just dry everything out? Is that Mad Max or not? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. See, I've never seen Mad I'm Max. I'm not either. I just I know never, it's very deserty. I know it is very deserty. I don't know if, yeah, water might be a resource in that. Uh, I don't know, though. Mad Max seems like it's much more about ridiculous action than yeah, actually exploring ideas. So I have no idea if that's accurate or not. Um, what other crazy things could happen? I mean, the trees could start killing us. <laughs> um, Ice Age. James Patterson. Oh, oh, yeah. That's true. James, that's going to be a movie now, right? Or James TV Patterson show? It, it is a TV show now. It is a TV show now. Yeah, it's on now. I've okay. seen like the, some of the first few episodes. Oh, when animals go crazy. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, I've only, like, just at the very beginning, it, it's it's sort of like the birds, except with, like, everything. With <laughs> I mean, the, everything. <laughs> they don't all go homicidal at first, but I think that's sort of what it's leading to. Although I'm not sure if it's... Have you actually read that book, Natasha? No. No. She I think didn't. my mom did. I don't know anything else besides that. Okay. I, I, I think it turns out it's some sort of virus that's spreading among the animals. They often have the virus <laughs> thing. Yeah. It's a, good, it's a good excuse for things going wrong. Mm-hmm. What if everyone stopped age? No, I don't know. <laughs> That's not really an apocalypse. No. <laughs> Everyone stopped aging. There's some fables about that, but yeah. Hmm. It's harder to come it's harder than it's harder than you might think. To come up with a, a actually original, which is why a lot of them basically do the the invasion the or virus. the zombie or the yeah. virus, you know. Which yeah, that's inter- we didn't even get to some of those types of genres when we were talking about it earlier. I mean, it'd be interesting if you if you had. I don't know what it would be. Something that would break up, like it would purposely, like okay, under the dome is a thing where this dome comes over the city and whatever. Uh-huh. But what if you know something? I don't know what just caused everyone to be separated, like that there were physical, like distance, like you couldn't you couldn't get from one. Almost like like, like, like you had sort of a magnetic force pulling either that or you or, or you just couldn't. Things just didn't lead to where they used to lead. Dire- like direction just got messed up the, like the mag- the poles well, I don't, I don't even mean scientific I, the problem is you can't find a good scientific way of doing this but just yeah. it would perfectly force people to be tribal I mean that's an interesting con- you know like you can't support like you're you're broken into little groups you can't the outside world doesn't exist or you can't get to it very easily mm-hmm. for well, whatever reason well that's sort of your uh, your underground city and uh, snort no that's true that's true but it's just interesting there was some sort of event that caused it was suddenly everyone's Split up, like everything's hmm. fractured. I don't know what it would be. I haven't thought that much through. I I had this again. This is not this is more of a fancy thing. I had this short short idea one time to do where it's nighttime. Like if you go if you walk into the dark, you just end up. It's like there is no distance there. Like you just end up somewhere else in the world when you got to another light. Oh, weird. Like portals everywhere. Kind of, but they're they don't. But they don't look. They like don't. A they don't work equivalently. I mean, they're not always the same. Okay. But yeah, that's more fantasy. Yeah, exactly. I just I thought I don't know. I like the under the domes idea. I don't much. The show's kind of crazy, but um, I like the idea of that. Hey, the forced forced separation, and and you're forced to survive. You know that survival aspect I find very fascinating. Mm -hmm. 
Well, let's have maybe we have one sort one an out an alien invasion. But what do they want? So you want to do some sort of alien invasion thing? If we have time, if we don't, we'll... yeah, we have to get we got time. Okay, um, we'll do. Um, what would they want? They want all the chocolate. <laughs> that would be the end of the world as we know it. They want all. They take all the smart people. <laughs> no, I don't mean that in like a bad way. Like you just leave dummies, but I mean like all the shakers and movers disappear. Like you're just left with every man's. Okay. Like you're just left with people who. Who had basic? They have basic. I mean, they're they're just normal people, but they're not. They don't know the science necessarily. You know, the the deep, heavy stuff that makes everything work. Hmm, that's interesting. But I think it. I feel like it'd be really hard to pull off writing wise because you'd be really. Well, I don't know. You might since you've written uh, Obed Kainos, you might have better success with it. But <laughs> a lot of people, I think, would have difficulty doing that because you're gonna. You, you always want the gonna heroes. Be, yeah, you're always gonna have that temptation to write that protagonist that's like uber smart and is gonna yeah. be able to pull everything off, and someone be like, "Well, why wasn't he a leader?" I know. It, well, and the, again, if you did that, you could always make the theme well. Everyone can grow into a leader. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. You know, what if you just had a lot of everyday people? Mm-hmm. You know, like you didn't have the. So instead of like anyone who is in a position of authority, maybe maybe that's what it was. Anyone yeah. who's in a position of authority. And that just leaves like all the, say, the farmers and the factory workers yeah. and all the. The students em- and the. Employees. Yeah. And it's an. It's, I don't know. I mean, it would be almost more of a. I'm not sure how post-apocalyptic be probably end up being more like a social drama, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> I suppose so. It's an interesting idea, though. I mean, because obviously someone would step up, and maybe and people would have to, and that would have to be part of your theme. I mean, yeah. there's no way around someone stepping up, right? And I guess the idea would be because sometimes people's personalities will change when they put get put into a certain situation, and you yeah. know, they they weren't a mover and a shaker, yeah. but then they're kind of forced into becoming one. And I wonder, too, if there would be some people who actually had wanted to be a mover and shaker, but circumstances just kept them from it. I wonder, I was thinking, also, you know, what if everyone was forced by some alien thing to be mentally bonded to another person? I think that's uh That's what that says. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I wasn't even meaning, I I think I'd thought of the idea previous to that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You thought of it before J. Michael Straczynski Well, he he might have thought of it 10 years ago, I don't know. (laughs) But I played with that idea before, I know. Mm -hmm. But it's a whole, you have to break up society one way or another, and there's only a few... I mean, nature, invasion, and disease are the easiest ways to do it. Or explosion. Yeah, explosion. Massive destruction. No, you you blow the earth up. Yeah. I mean, that's a good post-apocalyptic. We haven't talked about the whole, like, you know, Battlestar Galactica, like, hey, and your planet's basically gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Alderaan. No, that's true. Yeah. We, need, we need a whole TV series, The Refugees of Alderaan. <laughs> You never know. That might happen now. Except, except it's better when, when it's Earth because then you're just alone. Yeah. Then you there's just no there's no other planets that you know of. Yeah, yeah. 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 Anyways, that's all I got. Okay. I like I like my. I think we need to go with the bug idea though. The bug idea is that's that's got some potential. I mean that's it's like, a, I mean it's a little starship troopers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's if you you're doing giant bugs. Yeah, we're which, not doing yeah. Giant I I bugs. think I think it'd be even scarier just to go with swarms of yeah. something of semi mindless but maybe grow. Gaining some sort of slow intelligence. Yeah, gaining some sort of slow intelligence, uh, some sort of protective, you know. Um, yeah. And, and maybe that's, there's just the sheer force of numbers and that keeps them from being, exactly. Just, you know, yeah. they have all the, they have such a high mind that the ones like on the outside. It would just give you the heebie jeebies to watch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Wasn't there an X Files? There's been a couple oh. X Files episodes with bugs. Oh, there was there? an X Files one I always talk about where, there were these green like lightning fly bugs and like I think it's like the redwoods or something. 
I itched the whole time I watched it, and for like an hour afterward, oh, it was yeah. so like, like Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was a good episode. It's, that was a pretty early episode, I believe. I think there's other ones. You know, I guess we, one thing we didn't talk about. I mean, well, I guess we mentioned you know how a lot of superhero shows are basically like pre-apocalypse if you yeah. uh, fail. Doctor Who has kind of played with that a couple times. There's there's that one you know the season three finale is. The master basically takes oh, over the earth yeah. for a while, yeah, and then then it builds into the whole resistance type stuff, and then the whole the moon hatching, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that one's <laughs> that one's kind of a disputed episode. <laughs> There's some good and some bad in that yeah. one. But anyway, we had a long episode last time. I think we're due for a shorter. That's run, fine so. by me. Yeah, and our what if was halfway successful. Halfway successful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what more can you ask? For? Exactly. Uh, maybe so, you could ask, though, for some contact info. Oh, yes. Uh, if you would like to contact us, you can email us at derailedtrains.blog. No, sorry. Derailedtrains <laughs> at gmail.com. Or you could leave us a comment at derailedtrainsofthought.blogspot.com. Yes. And uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Or YouTube. Or YouTube, exactly. And we've uh, rebooted um, Weekly Hijack. It's yes. up and running again. Yay. It was, took a break for about a month there. Yeah, so now we're going crazy. Now we're on season two, also known as Walt. <laughs> Very true. And we'll and so we'll be on loss for a little bit until uh, Once Upon a Time starts up here in yep. a couple months. And uh, maybe maybe we'll do some Doctor Who too. Oh yeah, I forgot about Doctor Who. It's, does that have a release date yet? Uh someone told me seventeenth. Or I mean September something. I don't know about okay. that. I don't know seventeenth. I, still I said to, September. I still need to watch the Christmas episode sometime. Oh that was really good. I wait, need to, I need to get Wait, which that. one was that? Well, while you're figuring that out, I'll uh, introduce myself. Oh yeah, it was awesome. Here. It was genius. Okay. It was Inception. <laughs> Inception? Yes, actually. Okay. Inception and Santa Claus. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll go with that. If it was a dog two, you think it was insane. <laughs> All right, so for my soundtrack, to avoid the obvious choices, like we talked Final Fantasy VI earlier. Maze Doom. You know, even uh, Chrono Trigger has a... Uh, yeah, I, I thought about a, doing Chrono Trigger because it the has world a, ends. Yeah, it does have a post-apocalyptic section, which I haven't beaten yet, so I'm assuming you avert that. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you beat the game, if you yeah, don't beat the game. Yeah, if you beat the game, game yeah. <laughs> but I decided to go against all that and go with what we talked about earlier, the Saturday morning cartoon version of post-apocalyptic, which is Sonic. Uh, namely Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which is the one that I play the most. And this is a remix from the Chemical Plant Zone. So that's kind of, you know, evil technology yeah. type stuff. And this one is called Biohazard. It is remixed by DJJD. I'm not sure for something, but that's his, the name that he has on here. And that's a good song to storm a evil factory to, I think. Good. And that you might need to do that someday in order to stop the evil scientists who made the virus that's conquering the world. It's entirely possible. And it's entirely possible that we might have to fight our way out of here in theory. Andy. Yes. Um, yeah. I, the soldiers are kind of... Uh, kind of pushy. Tense and pushy. and Yeah. They, they just grabbed that girl I, I was telling you about. Yeah, I, I, something bad's going to happen there. Yeah. If it hasn't already. I, I, I can't see anything good coming out of it, at least. Not yet. No. In the meantime, hopefully we'll make it home safely. One way or another. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This is Tim. This is Nick. Good night. Adios.
Thank you.